Look, these things hang so low, they're probably between your balls. The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 237. I am going solo, much like my love life. This week, we have the not-so-sunny disposition, Pastor Felon, Florida Man Strikes Again, a biology lesson, Putin on the conscripts, and the well-endowed shop teacher. I'm Dave Roberts. Jessica Solagi is down with somebody with the last name Vandersloot or something in Aruba. I don't know. It's not like anything bad has ever happened to a blonde woman down there. So she'll be fine. She'll be back next week. So last week, we had Sunny Hostin, which she's on something called The View, banging on Nikki Haley for not using her given first name. Nikki Haley is... Uh, uh, of Indian descent. It's, it, see, it's really hard when I don't have Jessica to cover for my stumbles. And she, her middle name is Nikki, and she's been called Nikki since she was a kid. So Sonny was banging on her about using this name that wasn't her first name. Now, this is The View. A co-host of The View is Whoopi Goldberg, also known by Karen Elaine Johnson, as she was born. Sonny was born uh, with a name that is hard to, hard to pronounce. It's Asocion Cummings. Decided to go after Cum- decided to go after Nikki Haley. And look, and Haley had a had really good responses for, for it. She she has learned, and I think I think a lot of Republicans and conservatives have, have learned to use the power of social media and the power of wit, rather than getting offended and going, how dare you and all this stuff, is tweet right back to her, tweet at, at her about her not using her real name. But what was offensive from, from Nikki's point of view and from any person of color was that she was called a chameleon. Which apparently, as I, as I've been told, is code word for someone who's passing for white, or somebody who's an Uncle Tom. They call him a chame- chameleon. That you're you're adopting white culture, and that that you're a traitor, or something like that to your race. And honestly, I would have known Nikki Haley was of Indian descent. I never really thought about it. I, I, I mean. She was never my governor, and we don't vote for ambassadors, so I never really looked into her background. I just knew she was the governor of a neighboring state, so I never really looked into it. But I thought it highly disingenuous to go and, of all the things to pick on Nikki Haley about, look, if you're on the left and you want to talk about her policies of what she did when she was governor or how she became ambassador, or if you want to bang on her about anything policy-wise, I don't think that Nikki really minds, to be honest. I mean, not that she won't defend her positions, but to go after her personally like this and basically call her an Aunt Tom, or, I don't know I don't know what the, the female version of, of Uncle Tom would be, but but to, to call her that and say that she's betraying the people when 
she was has she's been called Nikki ever since she was a child, according to her. Uh, I obviously didn't know Nikki and Haley when she was a child. I've never met her as an adult. But the the whole idea of going after persons of color that we would not from from the right side, and of course I tend to lean more to the libertarian side, couldn't do that. We couldn't go after Sonny not using Ascension or however she pronounced her name and saying that that she is uh, she's acting as as a chameleon. They would hammer me. They would absolutely hammer me. And look, I'm not not pounding my chest about some sort of racism towards towards you know fat straight white guys. I'm just saying it was super unfair. And hey, look, I know they get on. I don't even know how long the view is. It's an hour or two hours, and they they just talk. But Sunny seems to talk a lot out of her butt. And she is, it's hard to say she's an embarrassment to The View because The View is an embarrassment to television. But really, to, to, for her to go after Nikki Haley in, in that fashion is, is absurd. I mean, she's, she, she's, she's made a fool of herself and, and outdone it. Or outdone herself. So now... We have surprise, surprise, surprise. Free COVID money results in fraud. And from a preacher, no less. Former South Georgia uh, pastor, tax preparer, sentenced to federal prison for COVID-19 relief fraud. I think he got popped. I mean, he, he was, it's, it's Mark Devon Knight. He's 45 of Stonecrest. Uh was sentenced to 29 months plus supervised release and agreed to pay $149,000 back to the SBA. Now, this guy was putting in false paperwork uh, saying that he owned different businesses apparently didn't exist. And what did he want to do with it? He bought a car. What a jackass. What a genius here, huh? He, he went out and took coronavirus aid in the form of forgivable loans in businesses that don't exist, that he could just fold up and thought he could fold up and walk away. To buy, I, I, think, it was, I think it was some, some uh, it was a Mercedes S-Class sedan. I mean, wh- who didn't think you were going to get caught? I mean, how in the hell do you think you're not going to get caught? How in the hell do you think that the SBA, with with either loan, with the with the uh, EIDL loans, you have to pay them back. That, that's that's the the loans that went out to small business and and the 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 loans for employees to keep to keep them. You had to keep records, and he was falsifying records and sending them into to the SBA, and and eventually got popped. But who didn't see this coming when they were throwing out cash with? With a shovel, just throwing it out of the Federal Reserve building and just tossing it to people, and it gave the the impression that you know anybody with the right paperwork could get it. Well, well, and that fact is true. But they were they were so fast to shut down our economy, and then so fast to shovel money out of, out of the Fed uh, through the SBA to stand up and 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 wave their hands go look what we're doing we're helping small business we're helping small business well we know that the people that get the majority of the funds were not traditionally what you think of as small business you know Ruth Chris I'd, I'd have bankers in my family including my wife but of course the banks took care of their top level customers first that's just 
a matter of survival. So some of these people that were taking these loans had millions in the bank, millions and millions in the bank, but they were taking this free money that was limited and targeted at smaller businesses and put in line in their pockets in it. And they were using their position with the bank. You know, the fact that they have so much on deposit at the bank to say, hey, listen, I, I need to go to the front of the line. I have this much uh, uh, with you. I've got loans. Uh, you've got, you hold my, you know, this security, that security, you have these accounts with me, you need to put me in the front of the line. And that's exactly what happened. These people were put, or these businesses were put at the front of the line. The same thing would happen with Ruth Chris. So you had companies that actually were starving to death by no fault of their own that were in line for these funds that could even get an application in before all these loans were gone. And then we find out that scumbags like this were pocketing hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there, of course, there are bigger fraud counts with it. This is just one that happened to be local and happened to be on the georgiavirtue.com that I, that I found when I was reviewing stories for the week. Now, this is just one. This is a drop in the bucket compared to all the fraud that went, went on with this stuff. And look, this is not a Republican versus Democrat thing. This is a government handout and people buying votes. And this is what happens when you go out and you try to buy votes, which is what Trump was trying to do. And exactly what our governor has tried to do with teacher raises and other handouts that he's done is he's trying to buy votes. And he's trying to out-Democrat Stacey Abrams, who we'll get to later. And I, and I find it problematic when Republicans, who were supposed to be the fiscal conservatives, who are supposed to be the, the brakes on it, are out there shoveling money as fast as they can because they're using the same rationale as Democrats have used for years. It's pluck at your heartstrings and go, oh, look at the poor restaurant owners. They can't stay in business. Well, they can't stay in business because you shut them down, you jackass. Had you not interfered in the first place, there would have been no reason to go out and hand federal funds to people causing this inflation. Tell people, be careful. Wash your hands. Wear a mask if you want to. This is something that, that we were calling two and a half years ago when this first started. This two weeks to flatten the curve crap. We said back then, you can't shut these businesses down. That it was, it was nothing but a payoff to the Home Depots, the Walmarts, the Krogers of the world. Because you could still go to Home Depot and buy whatever you wanted. But they were shutting down restaurants. And look, even when I say mom and pops, understand that fast food restaurants overwhelmingly are owned by franchisees who only own one or two restaurants. They're not these big fat cats most of the time with, with fast food restaurants. But when you shut all this stuff down and then start pumping money to the economy and go, well, how in the hell did we get inflation? I, I, they have to know what they're doing. They absolutely have to know what they're doing with this stuff. But this guy, this guy's going to go to prison for two and a half years or whatever it is. As he should, uh, he'll have to pay the SBA back one hundred fifty thousand. I don't know how. Oh, they they did confiscate the uh, Mercedes. By the way, I, I I failed to mention that part that they confiscated the, the Mercedes that he spent. Uh, I'm guessing more than one hundred thousand on, and now he still owes one hundred fifty grand to, to the SBA. And, and I don't know how the hell he's going to pay that back because who's going to hire somebody who, who just went to jail for fraud? I assume he's not going to go work for a bank. But that's that's a that's an assumption. Now we have I'll take frauds without felony, Florida man. For more than two years, was using a fake 
DEA badge to get 50% off at Wendy's. You heard right. This guy was impersonating a federal officer to get 50% off at Wendy's. There's no mention. Nobody knows how much he took this Wendy's for. But who in the hell can't afford a damn Frosty? And who the hell needs the, feels the need to cheat Wendy's 50% on their Frosty? Well, a Florida man does. So he claimed to be undercover, flashes a badge, and for two years was, was getting half off his food, which is the law enforcement discount. This particular Wendy's, I, I don't know if it's at all Wendy's, I don't know, I'm not law enforcement. So eventually something happens, an altercation happens, and police respond. And it, one, one story was the, the, the manager asked to see his badge and noticed, like, this doesn't look right and called 911. So they, they get there, they find out this is yeah, this is obviously not not a, a legitimate badge. I don't know if it was like uh, the badge you buy at, you know, Toys R Us. I don't know if it exists anymore, but or, or Walmart for your kid to wear, or what he did, or what the what the what the hell the motivation is to, to carry around a fake DEA badge for, for a discount. But only Florida man would get in a fight in a Wendy's over getting his 50% off with a fake badge. Once again, my home state, or my state of origin, my home state's Georgia, my state of origin outdoes, outdoes itself with stupidity and selfishness. It's, oh man, it, it, it would be funny if it weren't so sad. I guess that's that's true of all things. Look, this is a good time to remind you that these are my opinions and not those of anyone else on the show or not, but these are my opinions. Also, you can find other episodes, full episodes with like more than one person on it and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. So we have the mule of the week. Stacy Abrams decided that she's an expert in biology and stated that a fetal heartbeat does not exist at six weeks. Well, I'm going to go with the doctors on this one. Uh, it's it's really a, a tough decision after after you know two two three years of COVID, listening to doctors uh, pull things out of their butts and say all sorts of stuff that isn't true. Between that and a lying politician that also happens to be a lawyer, uh, I'm going to have to defer to the doctors on this one and an actual scientists that have observed uh, fetal heartbeats. Now, I've said before on the show, the one thing I like about the heartbeat bill is it gives a definitive line on when the procedure is legal and when it's illegal. Because you can, you can if a heartbeat's detected, because look, most, I say most, a lot of women have no idea what day they got pregnant. They can look back at, at cycles and, and, and schedules and, and see what happened. But you have no idea. There's, there's no line when the first trimester ends and the second, second begins. It's not like your body just comes to you one day and goes, ding, ding, ding. All right, second trimester has begun. Or now we're in week six. So it gives a definitive line. But she's saying that a, a fetal heartbeat doesn't exist at six weeks. And almost everyone to a T has said, Absolutely, it does. Uh, it is sometimes hard to detect uh, just with a stethoscope on on the uh, on the stomach, but a more personal 
uh, uh, examination uh, of the of the expectant mother reveals that there is a, a heartbeat. And of course, the heart doesn't fully develop for, I think, another few weeks. I don't know. Again, I've got uh, exactly zero kids. So I've got exactly zero experience dealing with it. Uh, and, and having, you know, even having been the, the spouse of anybody go, going through, you know, week by week and, and all that stuff. But then either Stacy, Stacy Abrams, and I believe she and I have the exact same experience in childbirth. But she was savaged on Twitter. Absolutely savaged on it. Look, she, she's, she's putting out, and her people and her packs are putting out some, some, some dumb media. And it's one of the reasons that I think Raphael Warnock is polling in a statewide race better than she is. Is She's putting out some dumb stuff. There's an a interview-style commercial out. Now that has a woman going, well, I normally vote Republican, but Brian Kemp's heartbeat bill is dangerous to women. It gives uh, it gives uh, bounties to people. No, it doesn't. It go, it'll go after women. No, it doesn't. And then they say it, it, it's going to endanger women's lives. No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. If the mother's life is in danger, it absolutely de- is a viable reason to to have this procedure and then it says endangers women's livelihoods oh so what you're saying is you got knocked up and it would be super inconvenient to your career to have a kid right now that's not exactly a medical reason to uh, to go outside of of the prescribed time is it would be super inconvenient for me to do it right now uh and and then it says it's dangerous to our economy are you kidding me how how is that? How 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 is preserving life from from uh, the the heartbeat on endangering the economy? It's not. They just put this crap out there. I think that that particular uh, uh, ad went out from a pack, so you can't really tie it back to Abrams directly. But we all know damn well Stacey Abrams have so much money through her packs that it's 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 her media. And she's trying to hammer the, the the heartbeat bill, you know, really hard. What it doesn't tell anybody is the governor has no authority over it. It's law. If you want to change the bill, that's okay. You simply go and get the legislature to amend the bill, change it, or get rid of it. But the fact is, it's law. Law is law. It's done. There's nothing that Stacey Abrams can do about it. Uh, unless she got some sort of uh, uh, enough of majority uh, of Democrats in the in the House and State Senate, and enough of the majority to 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 change it, because there are a lot of pro life Democrats. They may not like the heartbeat bill, but they certainly don't want to repeal it and go to abortion on demand, up to and including the the, the third trimester. So, I think it's, I think that it's disingenuous. Yeah, I know that's probably the name of the show, Disingenuous, uh, of her to go out there and say that she's the one going to protect you. The most extreme abortion law. No, it's not. It's just simply not. That's just a fact. That is not the most extreme. The, the other states have more extreme laws. It's not. Yeah, you can, you can like the law or not. It doesn't change the fact that what she's doing and what her packs and what she's putting out is simply a lie. And she knows it's a lie. She's a damn lawyer. She can read the law. 
she understands what the law says, but it's much more politically expedient to make people afraid, to make them run to Davis. And her, who she's going after is, is not her people, you know, her, her, you know, her side of the fence. She's not preaching to the choir here. What she's going after are the soccer moms, those that revolted against Trump. The ones that, that really cost Trump the, the election because of his his persona, not not necessarily his his policies, but his persona. But I think that that horse's horse's corpse has been beaten a little too much because people are seeing what that revolt against Trump turned out to be on on the on the national side, and we're seeing it here in the state. Is you don't like this one piece of legislation, so you're going to throw out the guy that got our state open before anybody else. And look, I disagree with Kemp. He should have never shut down the economy. At, he had no business doing it at all, period. End of sentence. That was not within his authority, and he shouldn't have done it. On the other hand, he got us open as fast as, fast as he could. And Stacey Abrams' uh, whole thing is we should have left schools closed longer, should have kept kids in masks longer, and we should have shut down earlier and stayed shut down longer. And that's not winning. All she can do is go to women and say, he's putting women's lives in danger. And I don't, I, I don't even, I don't see how, how anybody with, with any sort of education or anybody who, who looks and sees what's going on can follow her on that. But I, I, I don't think it's, it's a winning strategy, but what the hell do I know? Not much, if you, if you were to ask my wife. So we, say, we see Putin is calling up at least 300,000 reservists and new conscripts to fight in Ukraine. And some estimates are saying up to a million. The ages for call-up between 18 and 65. Can you imagine that? I'm 45. I have had four major joint reconstructions, three of which are, are, are due to the Army, ultimately. Uh, to, to call my ass up, and say, hey, go fight. I I haven't worn a uniform in over 20 years. Besides the fact that I make a very slow and very large target nowadays. But he's really, he's really digging. He's getting his ass handed to him in Ukraine. He's going up against a highly motivated, patriotic enemy. And I'm not saying who's right. I have no idea who, who's right and who's wrong. I don't think there are any good guys at the strategic level between Ukraine and, and Russia. I don't think I mean, what you see on the news when you see apartment buildings being blown up or hospital being blown up or church or whatever. Here's the deal. In modern warfare, there are certain uh, sites that are off limits until the enemy puts military there. So if that apartment building had a surface air missile sitting on top of it. It is now a military target. If that that school had a tank parked out front, it is now a military target. That's just the way it is. Uh, we found that out in World War II with uh, with the assault of Monte Cassino. Uh, you know, when the when the Germans would hide in churches and places like that, it, it, as soon as the troops went in there, it became a target, it became a military target. So. I'm not. I'm when I when I talk about the conscripts coming up. It's not that I think Ukraine is absolutely right. I have no idea. I don't know enough about the inter-Ukrainian uh, politics 
to know exactly what was going on. I don't know. I don't. I Putin is old, old, old school, where he doesn't he doesn't quite understand the propaganda value of the internet, and Zelensky does. And Zelensky is just handing Putin's ass to him when using the internet, using YouTube or whatever their version of of it is, and memes and social media and all this stuff. Zelensky is just doing a great job of, of putting out propaganda with this stuff, uh, including videos and, and directed at the troops saying, if you if you surrender, we'll take good care of you, all this kind of stuff. And Putin's more of an old school guy where he doesn't feel that he owes anybody an explanation for his actions. So he doesn't think that he should have to stand up and say, we're going to attack Ukraine, and here's why. All he says is they're neo-Nazis. Well, they're, they're not. I mean, their leader's Jewish. Um, so he, he's unaccustomed to having to justify things to his own people because his background is KGB. And his background, when, when he was coming up as, as a young professional, was the Soviet Union. And the truth is what we tell you it is. And that doesn't, that doesn't fly anymore. Uh, there's so much information out there that even uh, oppressed people can get can get tidbits of information from other places now that we have worldwide information that didn't exist when Putin was was coming up to the KGB in the 80s and probably the 70s and 90s through through Yeltsin and Perestroika and Glasnost and all this stuff. The, the news was something that you watched at five and six o'clock. And whatever was being presented was fact. And the same thing was true within the Soviet Union, is you would turn you know, the radio on or you'd get six families around a TV or whatever, and you were presented with the news they wanted you to consume. And this was, when I say they, the government wanted you to consume. So the information coming from outside would trickle in. And now it's, it's not a trickle, it's, it's, a, it's like a fire hose where we were dropping little bits of information when, when people would come for student exchange, foreign exchange students from the Soviet Union would come over and they'd see stuff and go back and tell their friends about it. But it was so localized. Now, you know, you can fire one meme off in a target country's language and put, put it in Russian or put, put it in Ukrainian and drop it into one of their social medias or one of their websites and watch it go viral and watch your information disseminate that way. And it's something that when I was doing psychological operations, didn't exist. We had to print stuff and drop it by leaflet, either by airplane, helicopter, or in some cases, uh, artillery shell would be loaded with, with, with our product, with, with information at it, to put it out. Now it's as simple as uh, eating a bag of Doritos and sitting at a computer and wiping the cheese dust off the keys and putting, putting out a meme and, and watching this thing go viral in the target country. It's amazing. But... I don't think Putin is is is, is up on it. So there's three hundred thousand to million troops. Some of them are conscripts. There's an interview with I, I think he was like 35 years old. Says he's never served in the military. Has no idea what to do. Uh, I don't know what kind of training they're going to get. You know, we're very quickly approaching winter in Ukraine and Russia, and nobody wants to be fighting in that. But green troops, conscripts, have a very, uh, very bad habit of getting very, very dead because professional troops do understand what's going on. They, they come up, and even the privates, 
The privates will have uh, NCOs, non-commissioned officers, and officers appointed above them that have been there, done that, who have studied and will, and will help them along. When you put a bunch of conscripts out there, they have no idea what they're doing. They're scared as hell that, that, that they're going to die. Uh, this is an environment they were not trained for. Even if you give them basic training, conscripts really do not perform very well, traditionally speaking, and, and we know this. We know this even from our conscripts in, in Vietnam that professional soldiers, the guys that, that were uh, career people or, or who signed up, tended to perform better. It's not that they're better people or smarter or anything else, but this is their career. This is what they do for a living. You know, with what I do now, heating and air, I obviously am going to have a little more experience working on your working on your furnace than you do watching YouTube. So this, the only difference being, if you screw something up in your furnace, it's just going to cost you a little bit of money. If you screw something up in combat, you can end up in uh, very, very dead and get everybody around you killed. The number one Google search at one point last week from Russia was how to break an arm. Uh, the the Border crossings going into, I think, Finland and Kazakhstan and other places, anywhere that bordered Russia that is not Ukraine, were jammed. People running away from this conscription. Or, you know, or reservists or people who had served in the Russian uh, Russian army before that say, oh, hell no, I'm not getting involved with that. There is zero appetite in Russia right now to continue this war. It is going badly. On paper... Russia should have walked into Ukraine and just handed their asses to them. And that's, and that's what Putin expected, was to, was to roll in, say, we're here, take what they want, and, and establish a, a puppet government. What they did not expect is one the tenacity uh, of the Ukrainian people. And again, I'm not saying the Ukrainians are better soldiers or better trained or better equipped. They're not. But these are grandmothers. These are anybody who can hold a rifle because they're defending their own soil. And there's a different type of tenacity when it comes to defending your own soil. It's one of the things that makes it so difficult when we deploy, when we send troops, you know, 10,000 miles away to go fight. And you're fighting against people who are fighting for their home. Not just country, literally for their home. To keep someone from blowing up their house. To keep someone from putting, making their kids orphans. So there's a different tenacity that comes with that. And I don't think Putin accept, uh, expected that. And he should have. He's well-studied. And honestly, at his age, he's probably around for the, the fight in Afghanistan. Yeah, Afghanistan was a debacle for them because they were fighting people on their home turf. They were, they were fighting people who were dogged, who were honestly getting, getting help from the Americans, which, you know, the Mujahideen became Al-Qaeda. Uh, but they, but was with foreign support and tenaciously defiant against an invading uh, a power. So this and that's what we're seeing here. And I, th I think this may actually give China pause with, with Taiwan is watching how doggedly and how bogged down this giant power is getting in this little poor country uh, of Ukraine. So. The big problem in, in the ace in, in the hole for, for Putin is that he has a very large nuclear arsenal. And he is getting, the, the worry is he's getting frustrated to the point where 
He'd either uh, start carpet bombing, getting bombers to a to an altitude that uh, surface air missiles can't get to, or uh, you know just sending so many bombers that the Ukrainian Air Force, which is you know has a few pl- has few planes left, and just carpet bombing the whole country, just destroying everything everything in its wake. Uh, nuclear power plants, everything is destroying everything in its wake. So there's real, very real concern that Putin is going to get desperate at this point. The, the His popularity is waning big time in this one. Uh, there are protests in the streets. Of course, being protests in the streets in Moscow is not a great idea unless you have a, a, an affinity for prison food. They don't play that. They don't play that First Amendment stuff. They lock you up. They dra- drag you off, beat the snot out of you, and throw you in a cell. But you know, people are risking that to, to let the world know, to let Putin know, we're not okay with this. This was not our choice. We, we don't want Ukraine. We don't want our sons, daughters dying over there. Husbands. You know, there are children. There are thousands of children growing up without a father now that got killed in Ukraine. And, of course, Putin puts the number out, some tiny number of a few thousands uh, that he's lost in Ukraine. Uh, numbers, they, the Ukrainians say the number's closer to 30 or to 50,000 that, that Russia's lost. The, the truth is probably somewhere in between. But he certainly wouldn't be calling up 300 to a million uh, troops if he only lost 1,500 to 3,000. You know, I have, I have a hard time believing that's that's the case, but again, we don't know the truth of of what's coming out because we're being lied to by both sides. So before you put a Ukrainian lapel pin on or fly a flag from your front porch, just remember we don't know who the good guys are. If there are any good guys, it may be bad guys and worse guys, and that that's probably more the case. And just keep in mind, all the money and material we sent to Afghanistan to fight the Russians in the 70s and 80s, all the training we gave the Mujahideen was pointed back at us, you know, 20, 30 years later. The same may be true in Ukraine. We were putting a lot of expensive equipment and sending a lot of advisors, even some on their own accord. Over, over there to train their troops on combat techniques and, and things like that. Just remember that nothing happens in a vacuum. Right now, what we're saying is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that won't always be the case. We will have, we will have battle-hardened, NATO-trained, if not U.S.-trained, leaders, officers, non-commissioned officers, and soldiers in this country that we supplied that now can decide you know who next to pick a fight with because now they've realized that they're that they have some sort of military power. I know that's that's so damn cheery. And I, and again, I'm not saying that that the Russians had any good reason for going for for going into Ukraine. I'm just saying before before you get behind Ukraine, before you decide, yeah, we should be sending billions, if not a trillion dollars, over to Ukraine, which is not our fight, not our problem, not our circus, not our monkeys, not our problem. But sending billions, hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars over there to, to support 
a, a fight that doesn't involve us, remember, they're not necessarily our friends. They just happen to be the enemy of our, our, of our enemy. All right, so we have a shop teacher with some knockers. This transgender shop teacher is putting on, put on giant prosthetic t uh, breasts. Look, these things hang so low, they're probably between her balls. Giant prosthetic breasts and operating a shop class, and this is in Canada. The photos are ridiculous. I mean, just absurd. Uh, it's It's been all, all over the news, even to the point where these prosthetics have prominent nipples that are poking through his shirt. And when, when I say giant, I'm talking about I, they... I made a joke about hanging down around his balls, but they certainly are on either side of his navel. Like, ridiculous. Dolly Parton looks at him and goes, what the hell's wrong with her? You know, you know I'm kind of torn on this one. I don't care what you do. One, I wholeheartedly believe that, know for a fact that gender transmorphia is a mental illness. It is. It's the same mental illness that causes bulimia. It, 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 it's a mental illness. To truly believe that you're something that you're not. You know, if you're if you're bulimic and you're 80 pounds, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. No, you're 80 pounds. I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. No. So we don't give in to that sort of mental illness. Go, okay, we'll keep throwing up. Maybe you lose some more weight because, yeah, at 80 pounds, look at those ribs that are covered in fat. Uh, it's just the same thing we're doing here, but... As a freedom-minded person, I don't care what you do. If the dude's a good teacher, he's he's a good teacher. If you call him Mister or Miss, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Uh, I just the the this would this would have been my closing thought if if we had uh, if if I had our normal compliment and and the boss was here, which is why I can sit here and ramble. Is the boss is not not around? But it's just absurd. He did the most of, and I'm wondering if he's just trolling. Because the school came out, it's like, oh, I'm, we support her, blah, yeah, all this, all this ball about about supporting, make sure everybody's comfortable and all this stuff. It seems like a troll. Like I did a drag show for uh, cancer, uh, a cancer uh, thing, and it was all men going up and dancing and, and all that kind of crap. So when you know, straight, a bunch of straight guys are dressing up as women go go do a show to to raise money for cancer research. I think it was Relay for Life I was doing. We would put something like this on, like ridiculous knockers that look cartoonish and a stupid-looking blonde wig and on all that. That's what this dude looks like going to work every day. Like it, it's, 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 it's ridiculous looking. It, but if, if he's a good teacher, he's a good teacher. Uh, I just don't know how those things don't get in the way of a chop saw. Not that he would, because he has no feeling in him. But it's he's just got this this stupid looking blonde wig on, uh, like bicycle pants, and this shirt with the these giant prosthetic uh, uh, fun bags hanging off him. I just I, I really wonder if it's a troll. Like he's gonna he's doing a full on Andy Kaufman, where he's gonna do this for six months and come out and go ah you guys are so stupid, and 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 laugh at, and laugh at the entire world. At least I hope so. So, I really don't have any closing thoughts because there aren't two of us. It was, the entire show was my thoughts. Uh, big thanks to Eric who will take this and attempt to make it something you can listen to, which is, just, again, just me rambling. 
Jessica, I miss you, and I, I know the listeners uh, miss you. A big thanks to anybody who made it this deep in the show. I, I can't believe anybody would actually listen this far to just me, and that's probably like two of you. But have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Catch me howling at the moon